My biggest problem my whole life has been money. It takes a lot of money to pay for these dreams. That quote was by Mr. Walt Disney. Hello and welcome to We Are, are Building a Theme Park. We are building a theme park. My name is Clayton and I'm here with my two daughters, Eleanor and... Zoe. Hi. That is both of them. And our youngest daughter is joining us for the first time today. She's going to do just a little bit of a of an interview with us here at the beginning. We thought it might be fun to bring her in and ask her a very important question. And that question centers around theme park experiences because it's oftentimes, um, <laughs> we oftentimes want to make sure that we are um, thinking about everybody who goes to a theme park. So I thought it would be good to get some input from one of the little ones. So Eleanor, got a question for you. Yes. I was wondering on our last trip to Disney World. No last. Our, no, no, the last one we went on. Not the last one we're ever going on, but the last one we went on. What was your favorite ride that we went on? Hollywood of Tower of Terror. The Hollywood Tower of Terror. Yes, that is the voice of a five-year-old. And Hollywood um, of Tower of Terror. The Hollywood Tower of Terror. She actually went on the Hollywood Tower of Terror with us at, um, of course, Disney Hollywood Studios. Z- Eleanor, what did you like about the ride? That at the ending, it took it a drop real big. At the end, it took a very big drop that's right and it was really scary wasn't it yeah and the scariest part is when he says goodbye goodbye forever that's right at the beginning of the ride whenever you're getting on the bell hop um starts off the ride and she's loading you up into the elevator and when she gets everybody on and in she says goodbye forever and then she shuts the door no i didn't go on it because i was way too horrified like i said i don't like thrillers and when eleanor got off she said i hated it i hated it i hated it but now she's saying she loved it so sometimes you just need some space in between the thrill to realize how much you actually did enjoy it because you know you, you didn't die even though you felt like you were going to yeah when we first got off my wife who had never ridden it before looked at me and she said why in the world did you let me get on that but then by about like 10 minutes later she was like That was exhilarating. I can't believe I did that. I think I want to do it again. So sometimes it just takes a little bit of room to uh, realize just how much you loved it. So, And somebody that was walking slowly said what's left of them will come out. Say that again. Somebody with Zoe said... Oh, yes. Uh, Zoe went downstairs and waited for us. She took the, uh, well, what's affectionately known as the chicken line. And she went and she waited at the bottom. At the normal elevator. At the normal elevator for us. And uh, when she got down there, there was a person who uh, said, um, what was it? She said, oh, she said, oh, don't worry. They'll be out. Well, what's left of them anyway? So uh, she thought that was rather funny, and Eleanor thought that was rather funny, too. Well, with that, I think we are going to go ahead and say goodbye to Eleanor. Eleanor, can you say goodbye? Goodbye. All right. Bye, Ellie. And we are going to get on with the rest of our show. To episode three, and 
we're going to um this episode is going to be what we learned from the imagineering story which we have finally finished yes so that quote that i just gave you here at the beginning was by walt disney and once again it says the biggest problem i faced my whole life is money it takes a lot of dreams or it takes a lot of money (laughs) to pay for these dreams now you and i have already talked about how are we actually going to build a theme park? We don't have any money. Mm, that's not exactly true. We have money. Well, I have a, I have some dollars in my room, but I know what you mean. So, like we said, we might like make a digitalized theme park that we can actually like go through. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, uh, a model. Right. I mean, one the one of the things that actually started this is Zoe and I love to design and build board games. Well, at least I do, and Zoe likes to help with those. And Zoe, by the way, is a, is a good artist and a good designer. As a matter of fact, she drew the cover art for these podcasts, and um, I was very proud of her. But um, I was starting to build a board game about our Disney experience. And actually, I just found out today that a company by the name of Funko, um, who has been building a lot of Disney World-related theme park games, came out with a theme park game called Happiest Day. Now, it's only 20 bucks, and I think it's really geared towards little kids, and it's not exactly the same idea we had. But one thing that we realized early on is I reached out to Disney to see if we could get licensing for a board game, and I I probably just don't know what channels to go through, but I pretty much got a response back that was like, hey, we don't take ideas, uh, you know, uh, unsolicited, so, you know, good luck, but... I'm sure that if I tried again or got some sort of representation or agent or something like that, I might be able to figure out who to go through to to get licensing rights to build a board game like that. But um, one of the things is, well, what if we just designed our own theme park? We could build a board game based around that theme park if we wanted to. Yeah, uh, and also Planet Coaster did help a lot. We like to, or at least I like to make theme parks. I usually make copies of theme parks. This is true. Like I'm making Universal. Although, actually, that's not true. I use themes that are already used, but I make my own rides. But speaking of Walt and speaking of the Imagineering story, let's take just a minute to dive into it. So the Imagineering story is a documentary that is on Disney+. Plus. It's six episodes long, and it talks about how the Disney theme parks came to be. Now, if you're a big fan of the Disney theme parks, like I am, or Zoe is, or Eleanor is, then you might find these really entertaining there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of information in there. Just I think uh, that's kind of fun, good Disney lore, which is always fun to take some time to learn about um, about you know how uh, Disney even came to be, kind of the history of it all, and that is very intriguing. It's very interesting, and I think that there's a lot of value in that. But um, you know, I could see how. Uh, that part is maybe less interesting. I think what's more interesting for our conversation is what did we learn about building a theme park? And this quote about money, I think, is interesting because we don't have money. But guess what? Walt we Disney, have dreams. Walt Disney was from Marceline, Missouri, which is only about an hour and a half north of here. As a matter of fact, where we used to live in Fayette, it was only about 45 minutes away from. And it is a small, small town, especially when he was growing up. Now, I grew up in a town of 400 people. Marceline isn't too much bigger than that. He graduated with like, how many people did you graduate with in high school? Believe it or not, this was a public school. This wasn't some private school. I graduated with 12 people in my class, just 12. And uh, so, 
that was, uh, you know, I, I came from the similar beginnings as, as Disney in some ways. Now, Disney, of course, would move on to go out to Hollywood and start his animation studio and, of course, create Mickey Mouse and start making animated movies. And, of course, that gave his, uh, him a little bit of a boost. However, when they went to build Disneyland originally, they, <laughs> they still didn't have much money. It, no. Disney wasn't, like, that big of a thing. It wasn't even a thing. It was, like, it was named, I can't remember the name, but it, the, the studio wasn't Walt Disney Studios. It, it was. It was. It was still Disney Animation Studios. But um, the, the, and they had won a couple, like, uh, Academy Awards for a couple different things, and he did have a show, and that was the main thing that helped him out. Was he had a show on ABC, right? He had a show where he could promote these ideas. So the whole idea behind Disneyland originally uh, was that it would be a place for his characters to live. Now, the reason he created it, though, I think is really interesting. He took his daughters out, and they were sitting at a park one day. They were riding the carousel. He was um, feeding the birds like some nuts, and he just looked at his two girls on the carousel, and he was thinking, "Wouldn't it be amazing if there was a place we could all go and have fun?" Because parents don't have much fun on carousels. Yeah, and you know, uh, so he goes home. He talks to his wife. He talks about wanting to get into the theme park business, and she's immediately like, "Why would you want to do that?" She's thinking, of course, of the theme parks that were existed in those days, which were kind of more like glorified carnivals. And you know, she was just had kind of those stereotypical carnival things in mind. And of course, that was not at all what she wanted, right? Who would? Exactly. So, anyways. Um, Skipping ahead, Walt goes and decides to try this thing out, and he starts to design his idea of a world and a theme park, and he comes up with the different lands and the different things, and then he creates something called WED Studios. Now, WED stands for Walter Elias Disney, Walter Elias Disney, Elias being um, his dad's, no, I guess it's his middle name, but it's also Elias was also his uh, dad's name. Um, and so anyways, he goes and creates this little research place and this is where they start to come up with ideas and build different designs, uh, for how to create these things, these different animatronics and monsters and, um, you know, ride vehicles and stuff. And of course, some of this came out of their movie creation days, right? Yeah. How to make dinosaurs for, um, reference. Cause I think. That they made dinosaurs, the like original dinosaurs for for the World's Fair, yeah, in Wed Studios. That's right, and we'll get it. We'll get into that here in just a minute. But Wed Studios is what it would eventually become to be known as Walt Disney Imagineering, and Imagineers think about how can we tell a story, a full immersive experience. And take a audience member through that experience from beginning to end. Yes, we want to wow them and we want to awe them with different technology stuff. But at the center of it all, we need to hit the right emotional cue in order to make sure that they have a fully immersive and uh, full-fledged experience. And one of the things that the Imagineer said is... We don't want people to get off and be like, that was a great machine. That was a great robot. They want them to say, that was a great, like, rocket ship that took me to outer space. That was a great person who talked to me. It isn't, they don't 
want you to look at it as animatronics machines. That's the only thing I don't like about watching the Imagineering story. I just learned how the Pandora thing floats and um and Pandora. So sometimes I kind of skip those scenes where they explain how it works because I like it to still be magical. They don't want you to know how it works. They want you to be odd. Yeah, so um, I think it's really neat here to think about. I I think it was Tony Baxter who uh, he was uh, one of the chief architects at Imagineering. I believe he was the head of creative, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he has this great quote where he says, "I, I never build a ride for the first ride. I want the design. I want to design it for the twentieth ride. What is it that will keep them wanting to come back time and time again? And you know, I think that that's the thing. Is like there are better thrill rides out there for sure than anything you'll ever ride at Disney. Yes, this is very much true. Like rock and roller coaster. I thought, oh my gosh, I am staying away. From, I'm not even gonna get in close to that thing. It's so thrilling. And then. My friends are explaining thrill rides at, like, Worlds of Fun, and, like, the least thrill rides are just as intense. And I'm like, it's really not that intense. It's just really intense for me. Yeah, and and I think that the thing about, like, those rides is you ride them once, you ride them twice, and then they get old. You know, I think you know when the drop's coming. You know when you're going to go upside down. Yeah, and and so, like, you lose interest. Even though they are really thrilling, you lose interest after the first couple ones. But what is it about some of these rides that will keep you coming back time and time again. And of course, it's some sort of emotional attachment and a great level of detail to where you cannot take it all in in one or two rides. Yeah, and sometimes it's something as simple as, um, like, at Galaxy's Edge, you can, like, take different paths. And at Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, you can take different paths so if you didn't take a path, you're like, well, I have to go back and see what's on the other path. They don't make them the same. And that's what I love about it. And also, yeah, like Dad said, you might go in one room, but you only have time to look at a few things. You don't have time to look at everything. Like when it's a small world, I do not have time to look at all the dolls. That is impossible. Yeah. So I have to go back and try to find all the 23 hidden Disney figures. Yeah, so we're going to skip around just a little bit. And I don't know that it's helpful for us to give you like an episode-by-episode detail view, but just to give you a little bit of an overview, this starts with Disneyland, right? And then, of course... But before the the first episode actually begin or ends with Walt Disney dying before Walt Disney World's ever created. So these last five episodes are actually about what the Imagineers did post-Disney. And it's pretty amazing because I think there's like 12 Disney theme parks now around the world. And so 11 of them have been built since Walt has died. And that's not to mention like the Disney cruise lines or all the resort hotels and all these other experiences that all they've created. All the movies, all of the like toys, stuff like that. Yeah, so the Imagineers do much more than just design rides at theme parks. They're really involved in the creation of all of it from beginning to end anything that's going to be an experience that a guest is going to experience they're going to have touched they're going to have had their hands on and that is really where the magic uh i think comes for a lot of these uh a lot of these things is these imagineers i i really loved one quote that i pulled from it is this waltz level of detail and i don't remember the imagineer that was sharing about this i can picture his his face in my mind but i can't remember his name you should watch it and, and let us know what you think. By the way, 
you can go to our Anchor webpage, anchor.fm, or you can go to our uh, website, which is webuildthemepark.com, webuildthemepark.com, and you can leave us a message. You can leave us a voice message if you'd like. We might even play that on here and, and, and get your feedback, talk about it. Of course, you can always give us a review on Spotify or Apple, wherever you're listening to it. We would really appreciate that. And we'd love to be able to read your reviews on here, but we have to get your reviews first. However, um, this man's uh, name is escaping me and maybe you'll find it out for us and point it out uh, if you go back and watch it. But he said, he, he pointed out Walt's level of details and there's four levels of detail. Now, the first level is this, you're driving through the country and off in the distance, you see a church steeple and you know you're coming up on a town. So you see kind of the outline of the city from far away. Then you drive into town. And when you drive into town, you see the streets, you see the different shops, you see the town square, you get a feel for what the actual layout of the town is. Then level three is you go to enter a building and as you're walking up to the building, you see what the general architectural style, the color scheme and all that for really maybe even a whole row of buildings is. And level four is you walk up to the door and you reach out and you grab the doorknob or you, or you grab the door knocker. You feel the change of temperature. You know exactly what kind of material it's made out of. You can tell how old it is or how fresh it is by if the paint is chipped or um, if there's any scratches or anything on it. And he said, we always strive to get to level four of detail, which means that whenever you're creating these experiences, you don't think about just doing it on a surface level. You think about what is every single thing that tells a story, tells a detail. So if you're creating an animatronic pirate, right? You got to think about what would this pirate have experienced? Why does he have this little scar above his left eyebrow? Should his feet be dirty? What, what should be going on in his hands? What are his clothes looking like? What's his background story? And that's just like one animatronic. And of course, there's so, like, I think there's like 60 in the pirates of Caribbean. That's I think one. that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, like if you're, if you're riding around inside of this thing, the first time you go through, you just kind of get a general idea, but what makes you want to come back? I wonder what that guy's story is over there. And then you observe that a little bit more and the Imagineers have already thought of it. They've already been down that road and they've put that level of detail into it. I think that is what creates that magical experience that you get at Disney World is that these Imagineers create and go through. We want to not recreate Disney World, but recreate the feeling that it gives you just with different themes that's right that's right so you know i and i was inspired of course too to hear some of the ways that did come up with it i am a software engineer we've talked about that plenty of times before so you know even thinking about some of the earliest use of computers were in a, a, in a practical way were used in these theme parks of course they ran on audio magnetic tape back then and that's how they <laughs> stored data and, you know, like if you were to listen to the, what runs these, some of these animatronics, it's just a series of beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. But those, those, um, those trigger movements and that software, that's early software interpreting all of that. And, of course, now it's gotten much more complex with some of the ride systems that we see in, like, Rise of Resistance. And Pandora, that, that animatronic. Right. Like, Disney is special. They don't, they don't, um, like... 
oh, this is the newest way to build a computer, so we better build one like it. They make the newest way to build a computer. When they first made Lincoln that um, when they first made Lincoln for the Hall of Presidents, that was so advanced, and everyone was, like, taken back. And then you go into Pandora, and you're like, how is that a robot? And then you look at, like, Lincoln, and you're like, wow, that's so obvious it's a robot. They are making the new, like, um, technology. They can make it possible. So if they can, why can't we? right you know i think my favorite two episodes that came back to back where i think episode three and four i think the episode three is called midas touch and episode four is called hit uh hit or miss and it's really the story of when michael eisner and frank wells took over and you know they they were the presidents well i guess michael eisner was the president for a long time frank wells unfortunately his tenure was cut short because he was killed tragically in a helicopter accident um but um them when they were together boy they did a lot of things right at the beginning and i really loved that and then i even enjoyed watching about some of the things they got wrong and how they messed up some of the things in the middle i also really enjoyed listening to the imagineers as they matured as people realizing that form and function and craft and finance and profitability and all this stuff does have to be thought about you can spend too much on a park and and sometimes you spend too much on one part of the park yeah and sometimes the most creative things you can do is being forced to work without money um and and i think that sometimes having to solve those problems can actually make the experience a lot more enjoyable yeah so anyway um that was one of the more interesting kind of series of episodes there. I know a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about Michael Eisner and his tenure uh, at as CEO. And he did a lot of things wrong. I understand that. But he did a ton of things right, including the Disney cruise ships. And I thought that was a really interesting episode um, as well. Well, I guess it was in the hit or miss episode. One of the things that I think he really messed up and that the Imagineers admittedly got wrong Part of it was circumstantial, was when they created Ca California, California Adventure. Adventure. It was basically they took a cheap thrill park and they threw some California stuff in. The Golden Gate Bridge was very small. The Ferris wheel did look cool. But even all the rides, they kind of were normal ride systems, normal rides that you can go ride at World's Fun with a Mickey on it. That's not theming. That's Mickey stuff. There's a difference between theming and slapping a picture on it. You don't want stuff with a picture on it. You don't want a shirt for Halloween that has a picture of the character you are. You want the shirt that that character would wear. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And and I think that they... I, I hate to say they got lazy. I do think that they weren't given the resources that they needed. I think that's it. They weren't given the time. They weren't given the money. And they weren't given the motivation. They weren't given the creative freedom. That's right. They were told to play it safe. And by playing it safe, they went so far safe that they lost any semblance of what made them special. And people just panned it. They hated it because it wasn't what they came to expect, especially from a theme park sitting literally about, what, less than 100 yards from Disneyland, right? Yeah, Which was and they magical. were like, oh my gosh, it's basically be another Disneyland. And also, it didn't help that if Disney, if that was Disney's first park, people would have been like, when I had an expectation, they'd be like, okay. 
and then they probably would have walked out pleased, like, great, a theme park. But they had already set a name for themselves, so they already had an expectation. Disney can't get it wrong anymore, because people already have a big expectation for them. And also Paris Disney. I mean, not Paris. Um, Disneyland Paris or Euro Disney, yeah. right? They... The rides that they had were good, but they were mostly copies, and it was really small. Now, Walt Disney Studios in Paris was, I think, was really small. It wasn't, you could knock out them all in one day, a very dragged out, not fun day. So let's actually back up there because you kind of got that story right, but you, you missed just a little bit there. It wasn't that Euro Disney was bad. Euro Disney was actually incredible. Like they still say today, anybody who's ever been there say it's, it's the most beautiful. It's the most beautiful. The castle they did good. That's wrong. They, well, the it wasn't, castle's beautiful. It wasn't even just the castle. Like they did the rides and Discoveryland and the, and the new version of Space Mountain there was was phenomenal. It was be, honestly, it may be the best theme park that they created up to that point. The problem was this. The problem was they miscalculated the audience. The Parisians can be very difficult uh, to please. There is a how do I say this? As someone who loves the French culture, as someone who loves and wants to visit Paris very badly, um, there can be a little bit of a highbrow attitude. And I think that there was a lot of skepticism that, A, Disney was going to come pushing the American culture and and, and kind of this fake... um, uh, thing so like you know the Parisians were already very skeptical and then Disney came in and a they overcharged they built they built these hotels that were probably unnecessary and they definitely built them too big and so the biggest problem was actually the business side of it they they miscalculated on the business side they executed phenomenally on the creative side and that really the way we know that is because now the Parisians actually very much like Disneyland Paris and they've made a few It does help that they add Ratatouille. They added Ratatouille. Well, now that's the that's the second gate park that they built which was the Disney Studios and they did horrible the first time. As a matter of fact, it was like three buildings that that made up the park and they were not very good at all. People were very disappointed. Were there rides? There were a couple of rides, but they were just really bad. And that's where Bob Iger comes along. So Bob Iger, when he comes along and takes over for Michael Eisner, he comes in and he starts doing what's called plussing the parks. Now, Walt had this beautiful quote that I'm going to butcher because I don't have it written down where he says that a theme park is never finished. Disneyland will never be finished as long as there is imagination in, in people's hearts. Um, and I really love that quote because I think that is the lifeblood of a good theme park is that it is never finished. I think that, you know, the, the original creation and rolling out takes so much energy that I think it's really easy and probably from a financial standpoint necessary to just sit back for a long time and not do anything new or to get lazy and start throwing in cheap thrills. But what the Imagineers do so well is to recapture that lightning in a bottle. And they they didn't always get it right, but I feel like now, and under Bob Iger's leadership, they were actually allowed to do that. Now, we've got Bob Chapik in there, and there's been a lot of controversy surrounding him in the last couple of years, especially surrounding the prices. And I think that as we've talked about and thought about our theme park... We want to make it accessible because the happiest place on earth or whatever we're going to call us, beautiful, the most magical, happiest, those have all been taken. But um, the blankest place on earth, 
what's everyone should be able to go there and i understand it's gonna cost money you can't just open this park and be like okay it's not gonna cost money you can all come for free and we're just gonna yeah we're gonna not make it i understand you have to charge money but make it more affordable yeah yeah i mean it's got to be a place that that people can afford to go we we are very fortunate that I've got a good job that allows us to be able to do this from time to time. I also shout out to Chase credit cards. Um, you know, if you're disciplined with credit cards, you don't ever rack up any uh, any actual interest on them, meaning you pay them off regularly. I pay mine off like every three days. You can actually rack up quite a few points and stuff to be able to go to Disney World and Disneyland and stuff for free, which is what we're actually getting to do because we've done so well on those credit cards. But man, they just raised it like another 10%. It's it's beginning to be out, outrageous. And, and you know, um, as of now, and granted, he took over in the middle of a pandemic and he hasn't had a ton of time yet, but Bob Chapik hasn't done anything yet. Two grand. He's um, doing Tron. Well, no, that was actually Bob Iger started that like five years ago. Chapik Wait, hasn't. Chapik is the new president. He hasn't really done anything yet that's... Uh, Phenomenal. Yeah, that's maybe justified these price hikes. So I what think. What about Mickey's Runaway Railway? Now I will say that Disneyland is becoming by and Disney far, World. Yeah, but Disneyland is by far becoming their best park, and they've even upgraded California Adventure. Oh, you know what? I want to I want to take one step back because while they royally messed up California Adventure when they first released it, they I, fixed it. I yes, they did fix it very early on. But I went like back in two thousand five, right as they were starting to renovate it. So it was still pretty much the original theme park. And I will say this. I still think probably one of my top five rides of all time, I rode for the first time at California Adventure, and it is also at Epcot. What is it? Which one do you think? Oh, Soren. Soren. I still think that is probably one of the best rides Disney's ever made. I like it better than, I know this is going to be controversial, I like it better than um, uh, Flight of Passage. What is they're the exact but, same rights. No, they're system. not. No, no, no. They're very much not. Um, the, the the feeling that you get on flight of passage, where like you feel like you're actually riding on the thing, where you're kind of hunched over and Does it, it feels like it's feel breathing. Does it kind of feel like Smuggler's Run? Like a little bit. Yeah, actually, yeah, I would that, love it. Well, here's the thing about that though. It made me sick. Like it just like it like turns my stomach. Like I think it's the 3D glasses. So in my opinion, I actually like Soren better than Smuggler's Run. I like Soren better than uh, Star Tours, and I like Smuggler's Run better than Flight of Passage because having to wear those glasses make me sick. You're to making my me angry, and also you don't have to ride glasses on Smuggler's Run. This is the weird thing. Dad can we ride roller coasters and upside downs and going speed and downhills and i am just crying and then i can go on this thing the comfort for me is i know it's actually just a simulation so if it's being simulated i could go i could do anything like i'm not scared of smuggler's run it's actually my favorite ride in all the theme parks and my dad just gets like he's like gets yeah, sick the on second, them. The second you put 3D glasses on me, I'm done. It but there just is not 3D There's glasses. There's not 3D glasses on that one. It's just the movement of that one makes me sick. I don't know why. But yeah, it it I don't know. I don't love those. But Soren just breath. It's breathtaking. Every single time I ride it, I want to ride it again. It is so so fun. I'm so disappointed. Last time we were at Epcot that we didn't ride it twice because uh, it's my favorite ride. To me. 
you know, a lot of people pan Epcot as not being worth it. And I haven't been there to ride the new Galaxy or the new uh, Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster that came after we were there last. But, uh, you know, like if I go to Epcot, Soren is the best ride hands down i mm. liked it better than ratatouille i know that was disappointing i guess a lot of 3d glasses in it but remy's was just so good remy's was great i loved remy's remy's was a lot like uh, and that one did have 3d glasses it didn't make me as sick but uh you know i mean rise of the resistance mickey and minis those are the best I, I, the, those new ride systems and, and ratatouille does it too those uh trackless, trackless ride systems which they aren't trackless they actually have a track in the floor but still no they don't no, there's no track. Well, the have you looked right? on the floor? There's like streaks of where well, the that's where coasters the, always No, that's follow. where the that's where the, the that's where the wheels go, but it's just a floor. The wheels are programmed. Those cars are programmed to go those exact really? spots. Yeah. It's I trackless. thought that I thought it was like almost like ma- like a magnet that was in the floor. No, no, no. No, they're they're programmed cars and vehicles. Wow. And so like they're running. Hope off. one doesn't get unprogrammed. Well, I think that's why they oftentimes have to stop Rise of the Resistance is because I think there are a lot of errors with it from time to time. And then they get stuck somewhere. Yeah. I don't know why <laughs> that ride. It seems like it happens at both Di- at Hollywood Studios and Disneyland that that ride breaks down a lot. Also, they could just be wanting to get rid of something lines because those <laughs> lines get forever because also it's the exact it's the exact same system and mickey and minis and remy's and those hardly ever get broken down yeah those never do i so I, I think i, I don't know what up with the lines. yeah maybe i'm not sure um but yeah now that now that disneyland's getting mickey and minis runaway train and, and they ho- have, and they have galaxies it's basically like what they did is a matchup of Hol- mashup of Hollywood Studios in Disneyland, and they still have the better Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland, and they still have the Matterhorn bobsleds, which they don't have at Disney World. Really, the only thing the Magic Kingdom has that I wish Disneyland had, and this Carousel is gonna- of progress. Carousel of Progress. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. <laughs> and the People Mover. I really yeah, enjoy the People the- Mover. It's kind of replaceable with the Storybook Train, to be honest. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do a whole episode on our our last experience at disneyland because we're actually going and guess what let me see what is today so we will be there and today is the well we will actually be going in a week now if you're listening to this podcast we'll probably have already been and the episode that we're going to do maybe even following this one is just going to be a recap and we're probably going to try to pull my wife in here and try to pull eleanor in here i don't know exactly what our next episode will be just yet but it probably will be the episode um, where we recap our Disneyland day. And we're also, this has nothing to do, just so you can kind of know what our episodes are. We might bring in some of my friends. They're going to tell us, they've been to a few um, a few theme parks. They're going to tell us what they don't like, what they do like, what they wish there was more of, less of, so we can get a good idea. Because we also need all kinds of people to tell us. If it was my theme park, I would have, like, the biggest drop would be walking down a step. But for some people, they need more thrills. So I'm going to get all kinds of people who like all different kinds of rides so we can build a park that everyone can truly enjoy. Here's another thing I loved about the Imagineering story that we're going to actually get to experience, and we've already got to experience it once, was how they actually will take and keep their rides but make them different versions of them. So like we've got to experience both the holiday version of It's a Small World and the not holiday version of it. 
Yeah, the first time we rode It's a Small World at Disneyland, it was the holiday Christmas one. And so we got to experience it's Christmas around the different... <laughs> and so they weren't even singing that song. I can't remember what song they were singing. It was a Christmas song, but it was a... It was... Um, that was really cool, and this time we'll get to experience it with Haunted Mansion. And so, I like, love Nightmare Before Christmas. Thinking, thinking about how the Imagineers did that, how they said, let's take this classic ride that everyone loves, let's not ruin it, and let's create a limited experience where we reskin it and 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 you know bring that element in. And I also think yeah. that's the other thing that they did talk about on the Imagineering story was how they do that throughout the whole of the theme parks, um, how they create Halloween and how they create Christmas at the theme parks is incredibly impressive as a matter of fact i can't remember if it is it is in the imaginary story that they talk about that but there are actually two other uh my minor documentaries that were made um and they're older um but about how they pull off the christmas season at disney world and disneyland and how they pull off the halloween, halloween. season at christmas or at, um, at, at disneyland yeah i mean Easter is definitely much more of a like Christian holiday, which obviously we would be happy about. But at the same time, like I don't know that Easter just doesn't have like the big seasonal appeal that like True. Halloween like, and, and Christmas you does. Can't. Okay, guys, time to paint your own eggs, and there a bunny is the end. Have fun. Yeah, I know. I I mean, you could probably they could probably come yeah. up with some cool ideas. And I mean, we could too. I mean, I know like we've talked a lot about Disney and this is an Imagineering episode, but even Silver Dollar City, which, uh, you know, they, they'll do their fall festival um, and stuff. But, you know, I think what was also cool about the Imagineering story was um, I loved seeing how they persevered through so much as well. I loved seeing how they brought in new people. We saw some people leave. Um, we saw them go through great times. We saw them go through downsizing. We saw them go through a lot of different things and still that spirit of creativity persisted. And I think some of the things that we learned that we haven't talked about, I love a couple more quotes here from Disney. This one, um, this one I really love. He says, lots of things I've started and then I've had to abandon it and it just wasn't right. And you just have to let it go. You can just tell when it's not right. Or like, I remember him saying like, you know, um, that uh, he found in his career that there are very few people that you can run into and tell them an idea and get them to go along with you. So uh, he's always felt that instead of talking to someone about something, that he would just go ahead and build something and show it to them. And I'm wondering, Zoe, I'm wondering if for our listeners' sake, it may be good for us to actually show them something that we have come up with built. I mean, even if it's just like a planet coaster thing or something like that to say, hey, here's an idea of something that we would love to do. Yeah. And um, I just kind of had an idea. So I was trying to think of like models we could do. And if you've ever watched Wonder Park, they make this really cool, basically what I want to make, um, like theme park and i thought that we could maybe make something like that less models more animatronics more yeah we kind of add our own spin on it yeah i mean i think we definitely have to we need to we need to show you guys something right and and we need to also would love to get your ideas so we'll, we'll start putting our heads together to actually be able to show you something before too long maybe like a planet coaster ride and the chances that this ride even ends up in our like a 
final project is pretty small unless we just come up with like a mind explosion. But we're just giving you a feel for what our rides will be like. That's right. And My then- dad spent like five days working on the Haunted Mansion queue line. Yeah. You know, uh, something we haven't talked about is funding for this show. Um, Our hope is that we never really have to rely on funding in order to be able to do this show. However, if you ever wanted to donate, we're going to make a link for that available in our show notes that you can donate. Um, Also, from time to time, you'll see us drop affiliate links uh, to like board games, for instance, or something like that, that you can go buy or check out. You know, if you ever want to support us, that's a great way to do it either way. Um, and, And we would gladly take that support um now sorry about the shameless plug there um ending ending on this this note i think is good uh this note from walt himself we keep moving forward opening new doors and doing new things because we're curious and curiosity keeps leading us down new paths hey listen to that curiosity it's one of our words isn't it yep curiosity we keep going down new paths because we are curious and curiosity leads us down new paths. So this will probably, we're going to about to end this podcast. Um, next episode will probably be something to do with Disneyland since we have just been there. And we don't quite know what it'll be yet. We'll try to show you something that we've done, like a ride or concept something. art something yeah we'd love for you for you to come see that i'll post links to that in our show episodes once again you can always go to um anchor.fm slash we build theme park or we build theme park.com that's all one word we build theme park.com and capitals yeah and that's where you can find some of our content no not in capitals all uh-huh. lowercase yeah lowercase we build theme park.com Thank you guys for joining us. We really hope you'll join us next time for our next episode. This has been a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to uh, reporting to you what our trip to Disneyland was like. See you at the fourth episode of We Are Building a Theme Park.